Hi, I'm Dr. Trish Santos-Smith, and welcome to the Pure Animal Podcast. On today's episode, we're talking to veterinary student Maddie Selick about dental care with Ascophyllum nodosum, or rockweed. Maddie Selick is a fourth-year veterinary student from Murdoch University, and she has a special interest in emergency and critical care, wound management, and animal welfare. Recently, Maddie wrote an ingredient-focused article on Ascophyllum nodosum and its benefits not only in helping to remove calculus, but also in providing anti-inflammatory, prebiotic, and immunological effects. Her article was selected from several entries in a competition and has been published in the Pure Animal magazine. Maddie has also been working at Your Pets Vet in Inglewood, Western Australia, while doing her veterinary degree. After graduating, she's looking forward to performing surgeries and trying out modern approaches to patient care. Hi, Maddie. It's um, such a pleasure to have you today on the podcast. And thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is a very busy student schedule to have a chat to us. Yes, thank you, Trish. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Maddie, I'm really keen today to chat to you about the article that you wrote on Ascophyllum nodosum. But Mm -hmm. before we get into the main topic of the podcast, I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you want to become a veterinarian? Yeah. Um, Well, about me, I guess, main thing, I'm a massive nerd. I guess that's why I love vets so much and um, always loved maths and science throughout high school and, um, yeah, just really loved the science behind vet science and besides that, I'm an only child. I've got uh, two dogs and a cat and I think growing up I really substituted the lack of siblings for my pets, <laughs> treated them as my siblings. But um, I think when I was younger, we had this uh, silky terrier named Casey. She was the runt of the litter, two kilos her whole life, had all these food sensitivity, tumour on her foot, all these oh, no. health problems. Um, and so we took her to the vet all the time. She always had something going on. So I think growing up, that really made a strong impression on me, going to all those vet appointments and seeing how they looked after her. So when I was in grade one, that's a, that's when I made the decision to become a vet because we were doing these these posters on what we wanted to be when we were older. And at first I was thinking, oh, being a doctor would be, would be great because then I'd get to help people. And then I thought, oh, looked back on the vet appointments and thought, oh, being a vet would be even better because you get to be an animal doctor, like all the benefits of being a doctor, plus you get to hang out with animals. I mean, it's it's certainly not the playing with puppies and kittens I thought it was when I was five years old. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, just never changed my mind. It's always been a massive passion of mine. And so, yeah, very, very happy now to be in vet school doing, doing all that I love. Yeah. So it was obviously quite early on that you started developing that that passion to to become a vet. Yeah, yeah. Which seems to be quite common, you know, with, know. with most vets, they know from an early age that they want to be a vet and that's the only thing they've got in their mind. There's, there's usually not a plan B. Yeah, 
<laughs> no, there was there was no plan B. It was it was just that. And yeah. uh, are you you're currently working at a vet clinic as well? Is that right? Yes, I am. Yeah. So our local vet clinic, actually the same clinic that we used to take our dog to, dog to, and we still take our current pets to. Um, I did think like four weeks of work experience during school because I just really loved going there and seeing what they did and their surgeries and stuff like that. And at the end of that, once I got into vet school, I was talking to the owner of the clinic and said, oh, you know, I'd love to come back and do more work experience if that's okay when I'm when I'm doing vet school just to see what it's like, you know, just hang out and I can clean some floors and just watch what yep, you're doing. Yep. He said, oh, we were actually looking for a kennel hand if you're interested in that. So I was very, very lucky with how I got my job. But um, it's, it's definitely helped going through my studies, being able to consolidate my knowledge and see how they apply it in a real-world scenario. Yeah, and so are you yeah. doing a bit more of nursing as well and helping them out? Yeah, occasionally, only like under supervision. And I've gone back and done another four weeks of uh, placement with with the uni as part of my extramural experience. So with that, they've been really helpful, showing me how to uh, – insert catheters and give IM injections and stuff like that. It's been really cool to, to know. I know for m- most of your viewers this would be uh, something they're pretty used to on the everyday, but it's, it's very cool as someone who's yeah. still, still just getting into it. Oh, no, absolutely. For a vet student, I think it's extremely important to sort of be able to, you know, watch vets do do the work so they can feel like they're, you know, prepared to go out into the real work world yeah yeah so do you feel like you're uh kind of ready to go out almost ready to practice (laughs) not quite yet um I think I've uh, still got another two years so I'm hoping by the end I'll feel a bit more ready but I've heard everyone say that they don't feel 100% ready when they first go in and then once you get into it it's a lot better a lot better so I'm hoping that will be the case (laughs) Yeah, and it will, it will come to me once I'm once I'm out there. No, it is. So from my experience, <laughs> you know, after you graduate, you feel like you don't know anything <laughs> when you yeah. go into practice. But it's a steep learning curve. But you know, once you start seeing the day to day animals and conditions, uh, then yeah, you start learning pretty fast and getting used to it. Yeah, yeah. Now, Maddie, when you were given the the chance or the opportunity to you know write an article on a natural ingredient, what motivated you? Did you always have like a an interest in natural therapies or did you see it as a challenge to learn something new? What kind of made you make that decision to to do the article? Yeah, I think for me it was the the challenge to learn something new. Like I've never had a particular interest in natural therapies. I've always been open to it and, you know, considering all the options when thinking about like a hypothetical treatment plan and stuff like that. Um, I never really considered natural therapies until I was at uni and we were doing some lectures on arthritis and we went through, you know, all the different types of anti-inflammatory drugs and then at the end they had a few slides um, explaining to us some of the different types of chondroprotectors and how they worked and I thought, oh, like I hadn't, you know, I'd heard of, uh, you know, fish oil and other 
uh, nutraceuticals like that for humans, but I'd never really considered using it for pets. I'd always heard of um, different types of injectables and uh, drugs like that. So that really opened my mind to looking at all the options. And so when I heard about this uh, competition for the writing an article, I thought, oh, that's a good chance for me to learn a bit more about some of this stuff. And, you know, going to uni, always spending all my time focusing on the uni work, but I've always wanted to, you know, take more of a vested interest in my own learning and actually go out of my way to learn something by myself. And so this was just a really good opportunity to combine those two two interests together to um, learn a bit more and really about something that would have a practical uh, impact on what I do when I'm older, that it's something I'd be able to go, oh, well, uh, Fluffy's come in with some bad teeth. We've treated them. What's the what's the plan now? What's the dental plan for at home to stop this from happening again or to uh, prolong the time between treatments? Yeah, that's great because, uh, I mean, I'm not sure uh, now and depending on the uni, but when I was going through, there wasn't a lot of focus on natural therapies. So it was really up to once you graduated and if you were exposed to it, to kind of um, find your own way to learn about natural therapies. Um, so it's yeah. good that they're including some of it in the uni now, but, and it, I mean, and it's great to see that some vet students are interested in learning more about it as well. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool some of the stuff they do talk about. Um, they've gotten, you know, we most of it's still, I think, quite you know, traditional to what um, people did, you know, 10, 20 years ago. But they do still bring in the old, the old thing, you know, acupuncture for horses and um, surgical maggots for debriding wounds, which is just pretty cool oh, to, great. to learn yeah. about. So now um, you obviously chose to write your article about rockweed. And yeah. Now, yeah. so what made you choose rockweed? You know, were there other sort of natural ingredients that you were thinking about or did you already know something about rockweed? What was the process for choosing the, the ingredient? Yeah, uh, for me it was, again, my dog's. Um, one of my dogs had dental surgery last year and afterwards I was talking with one of the nurses about at-home care. So I'd been trying to brush my teeth, my dog's teeth for a while, but uh, it was very difficult to try and get them to learn how to take the brush in a low-stress manner. So, you know, we were going very, very slowly with things, just showing them the toothbrush, showing them the toothbrush with treats, and it was just taking a while. And so she suggested um, a powdered rockweed meal topper that they had at the clinic. And she said, oh, it helps clean the dog's teeth chemically rather than mechanically. So, you know, most uh, dental products like dental kibbles, they focus on kind of scraping the plaque off the teeth. And so I was like, oh, this is different. This is new. And I was just, it kind of piqued my interest. And for a while, I kept meaning to look up how it worked. It sounded very interesting. And it wasn't until, yeah, I saw the ad for the competition. I was like, oh, perfect reason to <laughs> learn some more about this. So I think that's, um, it was, it came to me immediately, which, which ingredient to choose. 
Um, but I guess if I was thinking about other ingredients I might have considered, uh, another thing I'm interested in is green-lipped muscle powder. I know there's, um, I know it's in, in a lot of things of products and so I'm sure there's lots of research about it so I just want to have a look at that see what the mechanism is behind it just like knowing how it all works. Yeah it's often that what sparks our interest is sort of related to our own experiences and pets and I know speaking to other vets that are really interested in integrative medicine, uh, a lot of the time it's sparked by experience with their own children as well. So when the children yeah. are sick and they um, try natural therapies and then they think, you know, well, this should be something for dogs and cats as well. So yeah, it's those personal experiences that usually um, get people really interested in natural therapies, which is great. Mm. Now, so... Let's have a chat about your article um, and learn about uh, rockweed um, because I had heard about it before, but like you, I didn't exactly know how it worked. And um, so can you tell us a little bit about rockweed and exactly what it is? Yeah. So rockweed's a type of brown marine seaweed. So I think there's three types of main types of marine seaweed, red, green, and brown. And uh, this particular seaweed, the rockweed, it grows in cold waters. So a lot of it's sourced from the North Atlantic Ocean. So a bit far away from us, but uh, it's a benefit of uh, globalisation, I guess, can access it. And so it can be powdered, it can be given as meal toppers, or it can be included in dental chews. seen a few products like that. So, yeah, I guess that's, that's rockweed. Um, but it has a few different applications. So the main application would be the dental benefits, but it can also be used as a prebiotic and has some immunological benefits. So lots of lots of vitamins, you know, C, E and B group and you know, lots of lots of mineral minerals inside it. Yeah, which I'm really interested um, to hear about as well because, yeah, just listening to what I knew about rockweed is all I knew is about um, some oral dental benefits, but I wasn't aware of the other benefits. So um, I want to hear about that as well. But let's start with the main benefit and I suppose what it's more well known for, which is Mm. dental care. So I believe it helps to prevent calculus formation. So um, can you talk to us about how how that works, how, yeah, the mechanism of action? Yeah, of course. So the main way it works is by changing the composition of the saliva and the gingival crevicular fluid. Um, the gingival crevicular fluid, uh, it's a, secreted in the periodontal crevice between the teeth and the gums. That was just something I didn't really know about until I started looking at this. But, um, you know, different monosaccharides, short-chain fatty acids and peptides from the seaweed are digested in the small intestines and absorbed. Then, you know, they travel through the blood and are secreted in the saliva and the GCF, the gingival crevicular fluid. And so those compounds, particularly the peptides, which have these anionic sections on them, attract and bind up the positively charged calcium ions. So this means there's less calcium available 
for calcium carbonate and calcium phosphate formation. And because these are two of the main components of canine dental calculus, it means that there's less calculus formation on the teeth. Um, and the handy part about this is that um, increased hydrostatic pressure in the gums, you know, for example, caused by gingivitis, pushes more of these compounds into the saliva and the GCF, which means that they have a greater effect when there's already existing gingivitis causing that increased hydrostatic pressure. So it's just really targets where it needs to be. Right. So it it sounds so like it has um, prophylactic components, sort of preventing that calculus buildup. And yeah, yeah. and then it, it sort of it helps to reduce the gingivitis as well. I suppose in yeah. in two ways that you know gingivitis can be like secondary to calculus formation, but the rockweed can help gingivitis as well as like a, yeah. an anti-inflammatory, I suppose. Yeah, so it's got um, high levels of omega threes relative to the omega sixes and some other inflammatory compounds such as. Uh, alginic acid, I hope I'm saying that correctly, and fucoidin. <laughs> and so in addition to reducing the calculus formation and, you know, in some articles they say it can also break down the calculus, it also has the anti-inflammatory effects on the gingivitis. So by stopping that gingivitis or decreasing it, uh, you're also going to uh, stop the growth of anaerobic bacteria, which um, are supported by gingivitis and these inflammatory conditions. And so then when you're decreasing the production of the bacteria by decreasing the gingivitis, you're also having less production of volatile sulfur compounds, which lead to bad breath. Mm, so yep. that's just like another another dental-related benefit. Oh, it sounds, sounds fantastic. And so if we... Put it in practical terms for um, pet owners um, mm. that, because I suppose this would be great for pet owners to use um, on the pets. And like I said, especially for those pets that hate having their teeth um, brushed or you touching <laughs> yeah. their, their, their mouth. Um, this sounds like it would be perfect of, of for them. So how, how would that fit into like a pet parent um, dental care for, for their pets? pet do they sort of use it regularly or and how does it help does it you know reduce those vet clinic visits for them yeah so it can be used like once a day just added to their dinner as like a, a palliative or it can be given as a daily treat and so it doesn't seem to have any effects on palatability so it can be added to any food and hopefully the pets will still enjoy that, still eat it all up. Uh, you just have to be careful regarding the high iodine content. So because it, um, most of the seaweed is sourced wild, uh, when it's in the wild it accumulates lots of minerals and so then you get that high iodine content in the seaweed. So you just have to be a bit careful if they have thyroid issues okay. and to not, um, not exceed any feeding guidelines that are provided. So there's some um, caution to use it in certain cases. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that would be a, a main contraindication, just being aware of the thyroid. Um, but otherwise, if if you're using it and it's 
having having its effect and using it regularly, then you would expect there to be less calculus development, less gingivitis, and lower rates of periodontal disease. So if you've got less of all of that, then you would need less dental procedures and hopefully the, if there were any dental procedures that were required, they would be you know, more along the lines of a scale and polish than of an actual extraction. Um, and then also the reduced bad breath you know, is something that owners would really be looking for. I know it's been a major benefit with my dogs, less of the stinky breath in the morning. <laughs> And but I feel yeah. <laughs> I feel sometimes with you know with a lot of owners they that's the first thing they notice right yeah. is the bad breath and they don't necessarily link that to dental disease because they're not really looking at the pet's teeth you know they they can just um, smell the bad breath but even if that's um, if that's a good indication for it and that's the reason they buy it then it's obviously doing having other benefits than just fixing the bad breath, even if the pet owner doesn't, you know, realise it. Yeah, 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 definitely. Targeting what well, the problem that they see and also targeting the underlying issue. Exactly, yeah. exactly, which is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, now, so moving on to another interesting quality of rockweed, um, and you mentioned it previously before that it can work as a prebiotic. So can you tell us um, about how it can use as a prebiotic, how it works and how it might be beneficial to use in practice or at home? Yeah, of course. Um so it works similarly to other um, prebiotic sort of pro products. So it's got high levels of indigestible polysaccharides. So these are broken down in the intestine and used as uh, uh, energy sources by intestinal bacteria, especially species of lactobacillus, which are sort of like you know the good bacteria in dogs' intestines. And so the Increased numbers of lactobacillus by the by providing the prebiotic, prebiotic will help them compete against other more harmful bacteria such as E. coli. So, one study they did was on pigs, which you know have a monogastric digestive system similar to dogs and cats, and they found it they had improved lactobacillus to E. coli ratios, and so consequently they had. Lower, less cases of gastrointestinal issues, lower rates of diarrhea. And so that's how they were able to measure the benefits that it was having. And so it can be combined, you know, in practice, it can be combined with probiotics to have a symbiotic effect. Mm -hmm. So basically giving the bugs, feeding them to, uh, to really promote that gut health and that uh, intestinal microbiome. The other benefit it has is that it uh, helps act against enteroinvasive bacteria. So this is a little bit, you know, adjacent to the prebiotic effects, but um, it has been demonstrated to improve intestinal mucus structure and maintain the intestinal pH. And it also improves the production of short-chain fatty acids, which help regulate the intestinal metabolism. And so it's believed that together these mechanisms help stop bacteria from crossing the epithelial wall of the intestines. So that's like a particular advantage regarding enteroinvasive E. coli, which is a 
cause of um, of gastro. So it's just an, another way it can be used. Another to help prevent amazing benefit <laughs> that Rockweed yeah. has. And then yeah. one of the other benefits as well that you wrote about is that Rockweed has some immune modulatory properties. Yeah. yeah. So can you tell us how they, um, how they work and, and what they are? Yep. So the main immunomodulatory compound in rockweed is something called ascophyllum, which is very similar to the pronunciation of the genus of the rockweed. And it uh, improves dendritic cell maturation, which means, you know, if you've got that improved maturation, there are more dendritic cells available for detecting pathogens. So that's believed to have an enhanced response against infectious diseases and neoplasia. It also stimulates the secretion of tumor necrosis factor alpha by macrophages, which is linked to inflammation and, again, you know, phagocytosis and uh, destruction of pathogens. So another, another effect it has. And there's also some evidence demonstrating that it increases the natural killer activity against some lymphoma types. So right. that's supposed to be another advantage. And another ingredient, another ingredient, another compound in the rockweed is fucoidin, which in addition to antioxidant and anti-inflammatory effects, they believe it also has anti-tumor and antiviral benefits. Um However, the mechanisms and evidence behind this isn't really well described, so I wouldn't exactly jump at using the rockweed as a cure for cancer. Yeah. <laughs> but um, if you were doing other treatments, you know, surgery, chemo, and you thought, uh, why not? Maybe the pet's already on um, rockweed for, for its teeth or the clients have come to you saying, oh, can this help, you know? There's not really any harm in giving it. It's not bad for them. So there's and there's no real side effects besides, you know, overdosing leading to the iodine mm-hmm. problems. But um, you know, wouldn't be wouldn't be a bad thing to give and it may may help. So Yeah. It's just something to consider. It's not, you know, the main benefit and I guess this is why most of what it's given is the dental benefits. That's the main reason people give it. But, yeah, that's just another thing to consider. And um, there's also polyphenols and fluorotannins in the rockweed, which act as free radical scavengers and are supposedly also cell cycle modulators, which are supposed to also decrease the cancer risk. So, yeah, just something to consider. God, it would be absolutely fantastic to see more research being done on that as well. Um, yeah, yeah. If they're, they're already showing that there, there are some benefits there because, yeah, it just sounds like it could be really beneficial for for pets that are, are suffering from cancer. Yeah. I'm going to keep my eyes open and keep doing my research to see if anything <laughs> comes up <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, now, one of the other things too, uh, and, and you did mention before, but it might be worth um, just mentioning it uh, again, was the like the nutritional benefits as well. So besides the dental benefits and the prebiotics, 
and the immune modulatory benefits. There are nutritional benefits as well for rockweed. So you said it was a, a good source of essential fatty acids. Um, so what else can it provide for the body? Yeah, um, it's a pretty good source of vitamins. So um, C and B group, especially thiamine and riboflavin. So I did, if I remember correctly, I did remember reading some stuff about supplementing cattle feed with it. So I don't know if that would help relating to thiamine deficiency in cattle leading to polio and cephalomalacia and stuff like that. Right. But that's just um that was just something I remember seeing. Again, I'd have to <laughs> look through my big document of research <laughs> to get some better information for you on that, but that that was just uh, something interesting and then again with the bioaccumulation in the wild, it collects high levels of minerals including sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, uh, iron and zinc. So those are all pretty handy uh, minerals to have. I I don't know whether deficiencies of minerals are a big problem in uh, dogs and cats. I've heard of calcium being a problem, but, you know, basically adding it to the diet isn't going to cause deficiencies or, and most of the time with everything else except for iodine. No. excessive amounts aren't going to cause toxicities either. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's also – it's got good protein levels, so it has uh, more essential amino acids than most commonly used grains, including soy, which is mm. – uh, I, I thought was quite surprising since I've always thought of, of soy as, you know, such a great um, source of protein, uh, non, non-meat source of protein for, you know, feeding animals and adding to different feeds, particularly with herbivores. I know it's got a lot of application there. No, that's great. I feel like I could um I might put some of your references in the episode notes for the podcast because there's so much information um there on on rockweed that I think it would be really good for people to be able to refer to and and have a look. Is, is there anything else that you would like to share with us today on on rockweed or or anything else that we haven't covered? Yeah, I would I would guess um, just a little bit more about the anti-inflammatory effects. Just something interesting I found while I was looking doing my research for this that I haven't covered yet. It was um, using rockweed alongside prednisolone to reduce the amount of prednisolone given. Right. So it was, it was, I don't think it ended up being completely successful, um, but it did, it was a way of reducing the amount of prednisolone that was given while still uh, having this similar effects. So that was just... Is that yeah, the, that just, so, uh, the anti-inflammatory effects? Yeah, I think they, uh, for this particular case, I think they were also looking at the anti-tumor effects, which again, I'm not 100% sure on. So the dog had um, a ringworm infection and multiple mast cell tumors. And so they were going to the medicinal route. And they tried several different drugs to treat the mast cells. And the only one that it was responding to was prednisolone. But 
because that's a steroid and that has effects on you know, skin integrity. They didn't want to overuse it because of the uh, ringworm infection. So didn't want to worsen the ringworm yeah, infection by trying to cure the cancer. And so they combined it with um, the rockweed, and in in the end, they changed the they changed the treatment plan uh, a lot because various factors. And you know, the dog had multiple mast cell tumors, and in the end, it wasn't successful. But uh, I just thought it was interesting how you could use it in combination, and whether um, using rockweed with anti-inflammatory drugs if you were concerned about giving too many anti-inflammatory drugs and worried about the side effects that using it for the anti-inflammatory effects you could reduce the dosage given and hopefully uh, reduce the side effects that was just something that I thought would be interesting and yeah that's super interesting and 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 you know relevant for everyday practice as well because you do want to reduce doses of drugs like that that can have side effects so it's definitely something worth keeping in mind um, for when in practice and treating conditions like that. Maddie, it's it's been such an interesting conversation. Thank you so much. Um, I've learned a lot, uh, which I, like I said, I wasn't very familiar with rockweed, uh, but you've opened my eyes, and I think I'm going to do a little bit of uh, research for myself as well. So, thank you so much for giving up your time um, and having a chat to us today. Yeah, thank you, and thank you again for this opportunity. It's been great. This was the Pure Animal Podcast, and I'm Dr. Trish Santos-Smith. If you enjoyed our chat with Maddie Selleck today, then please feel free to jump onto iTunes and give us a rating and review.